sometimes we have to smith our own tripod. So <laughs> right, right. What kind of job is this? We have to we have to grind our own lenses down <laughs> from sand. Nice. All right. Hello and welcome to uh, Montreal Sauce. On this show, uh, what do we do? We talk web culture, tech, entertainment. But wait, aren't there a ton of podcasts that do that already? Sure, but the difference is is that we're all wearing pants. So, um, <laughs> the, or at least the pajama other ing- pants. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Official official real pants today for me though. Oh, okay. I was going to be, I was really distracted for a second there. It's getting warm in here. Uh, <laughs> versus, versus fake pants. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So the other ingredient to the sauce is uh, we like to chat with makers. So uh, from fashion designers to filmmakers to developers and writers. And by we, uh, I mean, hi, I'm Chris. And uh, with me, as always, is uh, Paul. Hi. Tell everyone uh, your favorite vegetable, starting with R, Paul. Go. Start, starting with <laughs> R? Is it rutabaga vegetable? vegetable start- I have no Boom. idea. Boom. I knew you were going to say rutabaga. <laughs> I should totally be Johnny Carson. I got nothing. Um, <laughs> he has no favorite vegetables. He's a meat eater. And uh, with us as well, uh, we have Seth. And uh, I will forgo all the introductions and let you introduce yourself, sir. Well, thanks, guys. Um, that's right. That's my name. I'm Seth. And, well, I like, I introduce myself as a musician, first and foremost. Um, I spend more time with that now than I actually do with pursuing regular employment. So I think I can officially say that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited nice. about that. That's really Still, cool. It's something that I've always wanted to do, and... It just builds and builds and builds the interest, and I'm always off in my own little world with it. And I think I'm to the point where I'm almost ready to say a nine to five is just something I, it's not fit for me, which is great because I've always had that feeling like, oh, I always got to do that. But yeah, so I'm um, glad to be here. And this is, this um, should be fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, it's always fun when you can uh, make that distinction and say, you know what, this is what I want to do. Is, uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to pursue something creative and be artistic. And it's a very hard decision to make for sure. It definitely is. It's um, always trying to skirt that border between doing work that's creative so I can get that fulfillment out of it. But... It's so hard with, like, my last stint with, you know, a nine-to-five type job was working in TV news, doing production for that. And that can be, that can be fulfilling for a while, but after, after some time, it's just, it's like, why am I doing all that? Why am I putting all this energy into someone else's production? So I'd rather just do my own, which is, like, you know, it's such a common occurrence among so many creative professionals. And I think it's, one of the most interesting points of someone's career, their their interest in their own art, is when they actually do that. Actually, like, oh, I'm going to put this more, much more effort into this because it's it's worth that much more to me. Yeah, there's that, and um, it's it's hard when you sort of uh, grow up in a world where you know it's like go to school, 
get a job, get the house, the wife, the kids, the dog, and the picket fence. And so you you feel sort of like some sort of terrible like deviant when you decide, yes. hey, what I want to do is sustain my happiness and not necessarily pursue um, getting an SUV full of groceries. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with SUVs full of groceries. But, That's what uh, I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You should put those in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's not quite cold enough to leave the milk in the car. <laughs> Move to Canada. Um. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was actually commenting today that it's unseasonably warm for the season, so um, I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, cute, fuzzy animals suffering because they're um, already wearing their uh, crude oil-covered winter coats. So, because Canada has oil, you see, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, you are now. Uh, you did your stint in uh, news. That's. I have to say, um, that's one of the things that I haven't done is broadcast, and it's very big here in the city that I'm living in in Edmonton. Um, there's a couple of news channels because uh, this is. A rather large city and so every time I'm looking for video jobs um, those ones are posted quite frequently and uh, I have to say like you I'm not sure um, that I'm cut out for it because uh, I already felt when I was working at a marketing agency like ooh, I really want like more time or I want to perfect this and it's like all about getting stuff done and getting the stuff out and I'm like ooh, it's not up to snuff how I want it, you know? And so I can't imagine working and like putting together news packages where I have to put them together in like two hours before the show airs and then do the same thing the next day. <laughs> oh man, the repetition is what really drove me out of it. Cause like you said, just, you want that time to put the creativity in so you can get some sort of, you know, enjoyment out of it. But it, it you know, it's always that fight between oh I can, I can do my job well and, or I can be creative. So you have fulfillment out of it in a different way, but wow, I mean, here's my perspective on life in general. Let alone what I want to do with AV or anything, anything like that. You know, technology surely has changed tremendously. And but I am happy to say that I did get my hands on a lot of technology working there, and that's kind of priceless. So for any viewers or members at home listening, not to dissuade you from broadcasting, because you can get solid training with things. But if you want to make that next step and to like go into like IT hardcore or something, you know, web marketing or any other creative endeavor, you really need to get more schooling, I would say, or additional experience. I mean, you can always jump from broadcasting to something else, but... I feel like the market's just way so like stringent now. I mean, I'm always looking for jobs and new opportunities and see what's out there. And I'm having a hard time getting my foot in the door anywhere, even with the interview. I just, I think I've lost my tact with, or lost my edge with knowing what's the hip way to talk. <laughs> There's so many kids nowadays. I just don't even get it anymore. I'm like that. I'm at that point. Yeah. It's, um, I can, I can totally understand that as well. It's, uh, 
I mean, it's all about who you know, mostly, like, if you can even get to the interview stage. And then it, it is, it's a culture thing, too. So you're, you never know sort of what culture you've just walked into in that particular environment. <laughs> what What is kosher to say and what is not? And so you play that guessing game in interviews, um, for sure. I think there's also kind of a point professionally where you hit this plateau, kind of a complicated plateau where you have enough experience that there's a lot of jobs where um, you could be considered, but you might need just a little bit more experience in this particular thing or that particular thing that you don't have, so they can't really consider you a candidate, and yet you have way too much experience to take like an entry-level job. So you could walk into one of those entry-level positions and they'll be like... Oh, yeah, uh, you know how to do all of the stuff that we're going to need you to do, and we want to pay you peanuts because this is an entry-level position, and you can't really take that job then either. So um, it, you get to that point where you've had enough experience that you know you are valuable somewhere, but you need to find the employer that has that niche, or you need to do uh, kind of like uh, what we're all doing here and just start producing stuff on your own and figure out, you know, is there a way that you can break that off and make that the thing that you do? I'm producing stuff on my own for for myself and for this audience that follows these things that I'm interested in. Yeah, that's a really that's a, good point. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I feel that way as well because part of me has felt uh, similar to what Seth is saying. I was a little bit. Uh, um, burned out from doing the same thing over and over and now I'm looking for that same job again it's kind of hard then to motivate yourself and maybe that's some of the issues in interviews as well is that you're you're not believing yourself anymore because this isn't what you want to do anymore and so I've been trying to maybe scrounge up some opportunities to do some writing and uh, even if it's just copywriting which doesn't sound all that fulfilling, but I would prefer to maybe do some blogging like these uh, technology journalists or whatever. <laughs> um, but again, like Paul said, I don't really have the experience in there, but I have so much experience with equipment and with uh, the terminology that it shouldn't be that hard for me. But since I don't have the experience, it's like, well, we can try you out for free. And that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, a good friend of mine he likes to sum it up like this. I worked him at this station and he moved, I think, where's he at? Tennessee. He was struggled to get a job when he was down there. And he, um, he's like the job applications are just like, you need to know flash, all the Adobe creative suite, pro tools, file cut, just like list after list, after list, after list. And after a while, it's, it's really the same kind of issue where you got to pick one and, and kind of just, you know, chop it off. Like Paul was saying, I mean, it really makes me think of starting my own business, and it's like, why, why not? Let alone the, the whole startup mentality of, oh, I just, you know, you can piece it together, but it makes me want to think of like bigger things. I wish I had capital to invest, and in, you know, just to get off the ground capital, and then trying to make that bigger and grow the the revenue. I mean, the endless spirals of thoughts and ideas. I'm just like, ah, oh, why does my brain work like that? Why can't I just figure something out? Like. I mean, business shouldn't have to be so difficult, but yeah, somehow we make it to it. Yeah, I have no idea why. <laughs> More thought on that avenue. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's true. Uh, I like to say that I'm an idea man, and then that's it. I'll just give you the idea and just <laughs> yes. give me a paycheck. I'm an idea man. You gotta you gotta run with that, right? <laughs> right. That's why I loved doing my job at um, the station because I, mean, I had to work my way up to get it, but finally I was directing live TV, and that's a thrill on its own. I mean, you can't beat that adrenaline rush, and I'm still every day I'm still trying to like. Like, where is that adrenaline rush that I got just from going in Monday through Friday and directing a couple hours of live news every day? Um, but as a director, I got soft and, like, lazy. I kept, I kept wanting to be that idea man. <laughs> yeah. And I, I learned quickly, like, oh, okay. My creative spiral is much bigger than the average person's, I guess, or in this environment. Oh, oh, oh. But... <laughs> Yeah, where to, where to find it? I mean, Chris, you talked about it before, maybe it was just through or, or before, um, a while back, but you know, moving to a new city you know, and looking for um, for employment, I mean, that, that's rough. And specifically, not to talk about employment, but like the creative avenue of it. I mean, you can really struggle to find that, just um, let alone here, you know, getting done with college or all that. But yeah, that's crossed my mind a lot about moving. Like, yeah, I could pick a market. Where's the next, you know, Where's the next Seattle? Is it Austin? I could go to Austin and work Apple or Google or, you know. I'm always on those, like those tangents. Like, I can find something cool somewhere else just because I can't find it in Grand Rapids. It's not, th- it doesn't necessarily have to be there, but. Is that uh, yeah. where you currently are? Is Grand Rapids? I'm, um, yeah, I'm in, Ho- I'm in Holland right now um, using some other facilities for this. But, um, yeah, I'm based out of Grand Rapids. I'm living in Grand Rapids. Oh, okay. Sweet, yeah. Um, I just wanted uh, the NSA to know where you were. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, yeah, we talked about um, Phoenix or something. I was t- tempted to move to Phoenix last year. Didn't pull the trigger on that. But. Oh, okay, yeah. Is it, um, is it a t- ever a t- ever um, attractive idea? <laughs> Warm weather? Yeah. I have a friend who's uh, in Arizona, and he's like, I'll never go back to the snow. And I uh, was like, so you'll never visit me then, is what you're saying. <laughs> There's like a three-week window in the summer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alberta, uh, I can't, or not Alberta, or Edmonton, I can't even imagine. It's, but like you said, it's, uh, I mean, it's all about um, getting out there too. And that's something I haven't been doing as I sit here in my little makeshift studio in my home. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really put myself out there and got to know people, and that's been sort of my new resolution. I just recently um, uh, went out, uh, minus the wife, um, to something called uh, Turkey Shoot here in town, which is uh, basically um, kind of our other podcast that we do, Film From, but it's live event in a movie theater, and these two guys uh, make fun of a film. Uh, with microphones and uh so yeah it's basically your mystery science theater 3000 and uh i went to saw grease 2 <laughs> that <laughs> that movie is uh ripe for making fun of and um i was actually thought oh i'm gonna introduce myself to them and maybe see if i can get them on the show or something like that and uh but baby steps so i went there but i didn't introduce myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah getting you guys you guys are both married. I, I meant to say mental note with that before I start the conversation. I'm like, what's that like? <laughs> Set me up for that. Introduce me. 
<laughs> just, I, I mean, I haven't seen you guys for a while, and yeah, that's that, right. You know. um, we uh, full disclosure: we all are graduates of uh, Grand Valley State, um, and I had several courses with Seth. I believe. Did you have classes with Paul? I don't think so, but I worked with Tina at the oh, pizza okay. place. Yep. Yep. I remember. I remember that now. That was probably 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, we probably did have some time at Grand Valley where we overlapped, but I don't think we ever had any courses together. Um, yeah. I'm, I remember you from like doing stuff with McCarger and all that, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I don't remember what, but where, but <laughs> definitely remember. I went yeah. to, I was down by like, um, I was down actually down in Allendale a couple weeks ago looking at the new library and I was like, I'm going to walk over here. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That new library is, uh, is insane. It's insanely huge. Yes. I went there and I got like a little tour from uh previous uh podcaster Paul. <laughs> <laughs> did he show you the uh did he show you the giant robot machine that uh can can pull assets out of their uh storage locker? I, I heard about the robot, but I didn't actually get to see the inner workings or anything. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It um it's it's along the lines of well actually you can you can kind of see the storage area from where they control the robot and when you look at the storage area it's kind of like at the end of uh uh whichever Indiana Jones movie it was where there's just crates and crates and crates lost ark top men are storing all of this stuff it's just a huge warehouse of all of the books that they don't that they have but they don't necessarily keep them out and on hand for people it's a it's astounding if those are awesome systems i've seen like videos online of like um some of the asian countries have like parking garages for bicycles like that so you just like ride your bike up and you stick it in this little booth and it just yeah. like takes it down yeah <laughs> gives you a ticket shuttles it away yeah well, i've seen one for um automobiles it's um oh i want to say like belgium or something it you just drive in and you park and it's just like one of those, but for automobiles, it's huge. And it like maneuvers it and twists it and brings it down. It's like on a little like pivotable robotic arm, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, reading about those. I thought uh, I thought there was interest in getting them built in, you know, obviously very metropolitan areas like NYC and places like that where they have more cars than they have street space to park them on. It'd be interesting to like get your car back and it's just like covered in oil because there's some piece of junk parked above you. <laughs> <laughs> My paint job is now destroyed. Well, you know those um little like chirper things that they put in parking garages to keep the birds away. They have to put those all through there to keep the birds out. I mean, <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I didn't those things are annoying. Remember those? You ever seen those before? Like, it's like chirp, chirp, chirp. It just hit that eardrum. Like, ah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah they had one at, uh, they have one at uh, Rivertown Mall still that plays like, it plays some kind of a sound like 
it's not even a chirping sound. It's almost like a hawk screech yes. to try to scare oh, things yeah. away. And it scares nothing away. Like, there's seagulls all over the place. They are not frightened whatsoever of a fake robotic hawk uh, sound. But it still plays. Nobody, I, I'm guessing nobody figured out where they can turn it off. So it, it just stays on a loop. <laughs> I always uh I always think about that um years and years and years ago before university I worked at Old Navy and they got um those uh programmable doorknobs where you had to enter a key code to open the door and um so they were like how do we do this Chris you figure it out so I put the code in and then you could put like a secondary code in so I gave it to one of the coworkers that I had and we had our own little code weren't we special but uh, just just over the summer, I was visiting him, and he was like, "I always wonder if that code would still work because nobody knows how to work that thing except you and I." <laughs> I was like, "It's so inconspicuous, though. It's like right at the front of the door. Let me just try my code, sir. What are you doing?" <laughs> it's like that creepy thing where you like walk up to the house you grew up in. Hey, I grew up here. I was wondering if I could walk around, look around. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, that's yeah, creepy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what yeah that's what being back on campus was like I was like do I don't even belong here do I have the right and I checked my login and sure enough for whatever reason that still works yeah they leave they just leave those student logins in the system it's bizarre isn't it maybe it's just consulary prize for it being so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Free email, email for life. For the, yeah, exactly. Here's 25 megabytes of email storage for you. <laughs> and access to the color printers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll pay for this, Grand Valley. <laughs> it's uh, like real genius when that uh, guy who's living in the basement printing off all those sweepstake entries. That's what you can do with your printer code. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Seth, uh, you said it was kind of an old project, but uh, you uh, linked me to um, um, an album that you did with a, a friend on Reverb Nation, uh, Ravenous Magnet, right? Yeah, I, think, I believe I sent you that one. Um, that's probably the most recent uh, full-fledged production that I've done, or it is the most recent one. I've got another one that's um, in the works, and I hope to get that out. Depending on, on the, you know, the scope of it all, but hopefully by the end of this year, for sure. So, not, uh, so with the Ravenous Magnet, um, you and another artist uh, collaborated. Yeah, um, I'm at. Uh, Brooks is Brooks Alder is his name he plays guitar um, he I'm also a guitarist too but for that I centered it around uh, just the beat production the music production for it so I kind of um, it was like a like a duo type of thing just the two of us um, it was more of a, just a collaboration project to get things off the ground I'm kind of seen it that way because none of them were sing really and we decided to um, forego vocals for the sake of getting the project done without it having be just like an instrumental so if you listen to it you can tell that there's um, samples from movies 
that we use to, um, uh, I don't know. I actually didn't have any part of that, of it, but, um, Brooks handled most of that. Um, you just got to give it some sort of like flow to the, to the idea. So we use like movie sample quotes from recognizable movies to try to tell a story. Um, Does that make any sense? I mean, it's like no, yeah, yeah. I remember listening to it, and then when, when you said there's no vocals, I was like, yeah, there was, wasn't there? <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I mean, I got no. Go ahead, Skype. Yeah, the, the delay. We used to have this problem with satellite feeds, like all the delay. But um, <laughs> I actually had Skype running. I actually had GarageBand running in the background of Skype just to give it a little preamp boost, and I was like, no. I'm going to get like latency issues. And then sure enough, I did can't stand latency issues. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just an audio nitpick. And it's crazy with it. Like, oh, I can fix that. No problem. But hence the music part. And that's where I get into like B production. And there's, a, I don't pay much attention to it, but there's a whole community out there that still thrives. Um, and nowadays you get, you know, you hear a lot more of electronic dance music that's not where I'm, where I'm looking to go, but um, that's cl- I'm glad to see that people are out there like using computers and and drum machines and keyboards to to create art because it really is for me. I can see it as like a, as a crossroads between using technology with with art or using science with art, and you can I think you can just grow and build as a person in just phenomenal ways when you do stuff like that. So I, I love to see new people doing that and, and hear new electronic bass music. But I'm all about mixing in like old instruments too, you know, not old instruments, but like, you know, guitars and basses and real analog instruments. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you uh, use some um, then real instruments in uh, Ravenous Magnet or was it was a combination of both then because you're making beats? Yeah, it is the combination and um, that's really hard to do from a, from a mixing point of view, mixing and mastering, because you've got these two different types of waveforms. You've got these things coming out of machines through an audio jack or an XLR jack, and then you've got stuff for recording recording waves through a guitar amplifier with a microphone. And so when you try to, to mix them, you get to that point. It's really, it's really tough because you have to sit there and discern with your mind, and then you start getting ear fatigue and all that. And, and while it's still fun, it, it can take a real big toll out of like a, a lot of your energy so in bigger projects um but that's so much fun i think just trying to find like guitar um and try to just mix sounds too i mean it's all about just color palette and you know different like i love so much about like technology and digital digital technology nowadays but it's it's so personalized and isolated. That's why I've still like I don't even own, I don't even own a smartphone. I've never owned a smartphone. I can't even think of what I'd do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. No, you 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 make a good point, and I think uh, that's that's what one of the reasons why I have been um, here in my tower for so long and haven't been out there doing things is because. Um, much of my interaction or lack of interaction happens through this interface of the internet. And so 
I'm not making those real connections. I'm talking to friends who are truly believer friends, like in Spain or Greece or whatever, but I'm not making those localized connections here, which would help me find work and probably give me a better life than <laughs> waiting up till four in the morning so I can talk to someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's, I get on that path of that circle all the time. I'm like, am I doing enough? Am I not? Obviously. <laughs> but um, I think, like you suggested a while back, I to get over like stage fright, I record myself with you and put it on YouTube, just playing guitar or something. And I finally took your advice and and did that, and it was really helpful. <laughs> More surprisingly than I than I thought, just to purposefully put myself on the other side of the of the line, so to speak. Because like working in TV, I was always behind the scenes, never on air. Yep, and you get you get that like uh what do you call it? That like complex of like, I'm just an underdog or I'm just like a maintenance worker. Yeah. Yeah. Always the cameraman, never the talent. Yeah. That's really it. But you know, I mean, you got to do something if you're having fun with it. So man, there's just so much out there. Love to hear it. You know, I love to hear the stories of what people do. And if it's, you know, film, I mean, Grand Rapids is so great. They got the, they're, small independent film community going on with multiple um multiple production companies these kids trying to you know make something get something going it's kind of suck i got friends who complain all the time about um snyder killing the film tax credits here and they're still trying to get that back up which i'd like i'd like to see that i guess i mean part of me is like oh i i just like my small quiet beach community i don't want any <laughs> i don't want any gold breakers hanging around but at the same time i'm like um there's just nothing going on yeah and that's that's kind of where i was going with that was um there it's like because it happens through a screen unfortunately um a lot of those connections that i feel are solid they're really artificial and so um, it's not like like the podcast has been amazing, like you just mentioned, like um, everyone has a story and it's really great to hear like what people are doing and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like you sort of get stuck in these little micro communities like online and then um, there is a connection, but it's a different kind of connection than um, the three of us just hanging out and chatting, you know. It back happens. to back to iPhones, yeah, no iPhones. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> how I got onto it. It's like not just iPhones, but no smartphones. I was I was a holdout for cell phones for a while, but I've had a cell phone for over over a decade now. But I just can't seem to say, oh, I need to have access to the internet when I'm in the car, or you know, in my <laughs> pocket. <clears throat> I got to be in the vast mi- minority with that. I'd oh, have to yeah. Say. Yeah, I mean, my wife, the teacher, it's like a huge curriculum swing that's like coming and they're already working on it. But it's like you don't, and parents like are freaking out because they're all older, but you don't 
have to teach kids like memorization of times tables and that kind of thing because they have a device in their pocket that can instantly give them the answer. You have to teach kids how to like find the right answer and how to triangulate sources and make sure they're getting the right answer from their pocket. <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you use the tools but also how do you how do you validate your own use of the tools to make sure that you're doing the right thing with them? Yes. Do no evil, Google. <laughs> <laughs> I still run into that mentality from people. They're just afraid of it. And I I don't know what to do. Like, wow. Because it's not really a fear for me. It's just more like I want my time to go into my own world. And I guess it's, you know, you can call that fear. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you looked at it hard enough, but... I just want to go do my art. I just want to play my music. That's all I want to do. It's like I don't need that one last line of trees to come down in my forest. <laughs> I'll leave them up. It can it can certainly be a distraction. As so, I was um, I guess I was a holdout uh, for the cell phone more from the perspective of I didn't want to have a phone on me that people could just call me wherever I was. Um, I wanted, you know, I had a, I had a landline at home, uh, that I shared with my roommates and that was the number that people could call me on. And I didn't really want to be carrying, um, a cell phone at all. I wanted to be, you know, when I'm out of the house, I'm independent. Nobody can really get a hold of me. And if they need me, they'll leave a message or they'll shoot me an email and I will get that when I get home. Um, and at some point, uh, I think my family probably specifically had sort of a mini intervention and said, uh, we bought you this track phone because we need to be able to get a hold of you and we can't sometimes. <laughs> and that was the start of me having a cell phone. And now I have, um, 12. Yes. Well, <laughs> not, yeah, now I have, now I have an iPhone. Um, my wife has an iPhone. Um, and, to your point, um, they can become an extremely distracting device, and you ha- you just have to use a ton of self-control to not be <laughs> texting while you're driving, looking up your, seeing if anybody retweeted that funny joke, again, while you're driving. Like, you don't need that, <laughs> you don't need to know that right now. It's fine. You could just drive. Um, and I, you know... I love it because my phone carries all my podcasts, and so um, I can play those in the car over the Bluetooth. And you know, it's a very fancy, futuristic um, world that I'm living in, where I don't have to hear uh, radio commercials over and over and over again. Uh, but on the other hand, I've lost that freedom of I can't really leave the house and like just not have anybody be able to get a hold of me and have that complete like independence until I get home. This is my time to just go do whatever I, whatever it is I'm going to do. Even if I'm just running to the store, I've got my phone. Somebody could call me and there's, I, I think our, I think the other part of it for me was when that happened, the sort of etiquette around the phone changed. Like when I was a kid, if the phone rang, you, you picked it up. Like there wasn't a question of, um, 
it wasn't a thought like maybe it could be a telemarketer or maybe it could be somebody I don't really want to talk to right now. And there was no caller ID. So you had to pick up everything because you had to know whether or not it was, a, uh, you know, a call that you needed to hear or a call that you didn't need. Um, and now, and now there's this like, well, I don't really feel like talking to them. So you just dismiss it, right? You shoot them a text or whatever. Um, and it's this totally different, uh, uh, etiquette around the phone and mm. do you need to have it and do you need to answer it constantly? And ha- nobody has a landline anymore. Um, just a huge shift and change in the way that we use that stuff. Yeah, I um, I would agree. Or there's the other sort of etiquette where it's like in the middle of this conversation right now, my phone could ring and I would just answer it even though we're doing a podcast. You know, like there are some people that will just answer a call right in the middle of your lunch meeting or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really sort of like off-putting because I, I think I do come from a different etiquette. Like, oh, I'm talking to you guys right now. Um, that person on the phone can leave a message. There's voicemail. But there's also sort of these expectations now that there's no such thing as a landline so paul must be dead if he's not answering his phone right now that's the only thing i can come up with it's like why isn't he answering you know if what's what would be the etiquette if um and i always think about this like the next step beyond smartphones is going to be wearables like google glass which i don't know if i like the idea of wearing it glasses for, on my face even though i do wear glasses but they may be heavier i don't know but um <laughs> beyond that if they ever get past that point it'll just be like um like a really really small chip it'll just put inside your temple and it'll do audio it'll record <clears throat> and you know it'll just do that i mean like i know i'm like jumping the shark way big with that but like that's what i think like if you're going to put it on glasses and make it even smaller, like you, why do you have to hold it? It'll just be like presented in front of you or projected or a digital image that your brain will just see through your eye. And then, I mean, what's left after that? Just menus and then audio. I mean, someone's got to think of it. Yeah, I um, to your point, um, in the 2000s, I, <laughs> I, I, my first... My first HTML website was a website that I built... <laughs> um, to um, display my aren't these hilarious wallpapers for your desktop <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so I would make fun of products and things like that and um, make these little graphics in the awesome um, Jask Paint Shop Pro because I couldn't have Ford Photoshop nice. um, and I made like I found like a you know stole a circuit of some kind off the internet and cut it out and said you know this is the new smartphone and of course back then in like 2000 that was um what was the uh what was that free internet service you could get um net zero zero yeah yeah and so like net zero that was like the big boom for the web too like everything was free before it was the bubble right and um, yeah yeah so everything was free so i was like you know you won't even have to pay for the cell phone technology they're just going to put this chip in your head and then all and then i put like in really fine print like you know just every hour you'll get to hear an ad or two <laughs> so you're just going about your day and you have a chip in your head as your phone and all of a sudden they're like hey you should get up and drink a coca-cola don't you think that's a good idea like, <laughs> yeah that's right 
This or lovely job was brought to you by Nike. <laughs> right. Like, oh, pardon me. I got a commercial coming in. One second. <laughs> I'll just stop make conversation. <laughs> right. Or they'll, to get back to the, the caller ID part of it, they'll, um, they'll just be like a, like a splash screen of just like a quick view of what you're doing, like through your eyes. If it gets to that point where we're putting on wearables, so people will see what you're doing and just like, oh, he's busy. He's in a meeting or something like that. But then that would be bad because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you right. could be doing something not very nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Triple blink to send them a screenshot of what you're currently looking at. Exactly. <laughs> yep. It, it, no, it'll be like something down in your wrist you know, or your finger, almost like Minority Report. You'll just like twitch your <laughs> index finger to like cycle or scroll through the next button or whatever yeah yeah people start carrying books with them uh and that we that we dub the boss book just like the boss key you'd have a boss key on your game where you could press it and it would look like you're working on a spreadsheet you have a boss book that you just open up and look at that (laughs) so that you can send your boss a screenshot that looks like you're working (laughs) (laughs) i like it yeah i feel like there was like I'm trying to remember. There was like some sort of movie where like everybody just like sort of stopped in the middle of what they were doing and like listened to something that was like in their head. But I have no reference for that. I was thinking of um, uh, Doctor Who. There's a Doctor Who episode that's along those lines where um, uh, it's a David Tennant episode and it's one of the ones with the master and uh, the master is... Yeah, running for I don't remember what he's like. He's like running to running to uh, take over Parliament or something like that. Whatever that blah 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 UK government how that however that works. (laughs) (laughs) What what we like to call not America. So we could have been in any episode of Montreal Sauce at this point. (laughs) Paul (laughs) describing Doctor. Remind me of Doctor Who again? Was that was that? American or is that British based? It's uh, it's British. Yeah, it's BBC. BBC. Um, and uh, yeah, this this particular episode, there is basic basically there's a there's one of uh, Doctor Who's uh, pretty standard the Doctor's uh, uh, recurring nemesis uh, who is kind of trying to brainwash the population and get himself elected. Um, so that he can take over the UK and then the world, of course, because that's the linear progression take over the uk then the world um so uh he's using uh cell phone technology and everybody has these bluetooth everybody's walking around with like bluetooth headsets in and uh all of a sudden they will just stop and they're getting their it says on their phone screens like you're getting your daily download and it gives you like all the updates on all the sports that you need to know, everything that happened throughout the day, all the world news. Oh, by the way, don't forget, we need to elect this Saxon guy. And um, here's your joke of the day. And then all of a sudden, everybody laughs because they all got the joke of the day at the same time. And then everybody starts walking around again. <laughs> I do sounds remember like TV. It sounds like TV, like the current TV. Oh, it sounds like working in TV. Oh, right. <laughs> stop. Stop. You're on air. Okay. Back to work. Like we do a quick cut ins. Like, yeah. Yeah. We'd be like telling jokes behind the scenes and like 
Okay, and five. Yep. Four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 10 seconds we're on air for like a quick cut in and then we stop. Like, oh, did you see that commercial? That was so funny. You know, just yeah. Right back, right back to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think I told that story before on the podcast, but my, <laughs> my grandfather had like a, um, oh. an actual satellite dish. And so we used to get actual satellite oh. feeds instead of shows. And so just be watching oh, like cool. a, a Pistons game and they're playing the Bulls and the two announcers are talking and and then like they cut to commercial and he's just like, and so we'll be right back and we'll see what Jordan can do. And then like they cut and he's like, so when did you get in today? Oh, I... I got in about four. Like, oh, so you didn't have the lunch here at the hotel. Man, was it awful. I know. I actually did. They left a sandwich in my room. It tasted like crap. Are you kidding me? So the Pistons are up by five. And I was just like, what just happened there? It was crazy. That's funny. Yeah, it's always fun to see unscripted stuff like that from far away. Like uh, we would get other Tribune feeds from Sally feeds from other stations like you know new york or la and sometimes there would just be like random people talking while there was like a helicopter chasing a, a police car chase like you know somewhere in la county and then you would get like the anchors watching it we'd be watching a screen watching the anchors watch it on a screen in la <laughs> and they're just talking to us stuff like that that would happen every now and again i'd love to watch those because you get to, you get to see like the cra- most craziest unscripted like oh yep that's just out of the movies you just crash into a stop sign and now he's not stopping anymore and now he's out of the car and now he's chasing him yeah it's it's interesting from that perspective but then like when you're living in it it's not so interesting like when you're in line at uh, a horrible place like walmart and the cashiers are talking to themselves instead of you the customer (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so annoying that's my major complaint right now getting customer service at the like the most smallest places like it the registers and things lately i just like maybe it's just i'm getting old but maybe it's just really because people don't know what's going on or <laughs> maybe they all drank the kool-aid i don't know but just like just random like rudeness from people lately i'm just like maybe there's like something going on maybe the ebola is this far north <gasps> <laughs> yeah no you're it's like paul was saying like there's sort of a new etiquette with phones and we're so used to interacting with objects now we don't know how to interact with people <laughs> oh man um yeah customer service is uh sometimes in a state especially in lots of the big box stores and things like that but of course then you get to like the mom and pop shops and they're they're like some of them are so well established that they're like oh we don't need customer service <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We just have little cousin Sally work in the register. It really is amazing how people view marketing and what they consider to be marketing and how they actually market themselves, whether it be on a interpersonal basis or on the internet or maybe even in professional settings like customer service. Not just like how people look, but more so like manners and it really shows and I think it's becoming more maybe I'm just more fine-tuned to it because I've been growing up around all the technology I'm just like I've got these two worlds with which to, to compare things and I'm always <laughs> oversensitive to things like that I think but of course people have been complaining about that forever and a day but you're right I mean yeah technology it, it does that whole thing I mean 
Hence my not wanting an iPhone. <laughs> You've already got enough things competing for your attention at this point. Yeah, then I was think, well, how does that compare to married guys? <laughs> there he is grilling us for more information about marriage. All we can tell you is we love it. It's great. That's right. <laughs> She's not listening, I swear, but I'm just saying that out of my heart. <laughs> I, couldn't think, I couldn't think of anything better to ask a subject. I was like, I'm going to breach that subject, but I have nothing to contribute. We are a team, actually, and so... As a team member, I'm doing the podcast, and she is eating um, a salad that I made. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It all equals out. It all equals out, exactly. Um, and she does not have um, as much interest in podcasting or making electronic music as I do, but um, that's, well, I haven't pursued much of my making music but i do pursue the podcast thing right now (laughs) (laughs) that was my smooth segue to like uh hey what uh software do you use seth (laughs) oh yeah i social cues they're my strong suit um a variety of things and that's interesting because um they're stopping to make independently operated hardware for example the akai series mpcs which a lot of beat production is done on i i'd have to look at something very current for akai but they have a new product they call the renaissance which is essentially one of these workstations with the the big old square pads on and you can hit the drums on and do all the knob turning and sliders and stuff but it usb is right into a computer now and it does not operate independently so it's, it can't, you buy it, and it doesn't even operate as a standalone. So if your computer crashes, you have a $1,000 piece of beat production equipment that doesn't <laughs> even work. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed, like, there's a lot of sort of, like, like pads, like, you can program. And, um, like, I don't know if you uh, follow him, but I really like, at least I like watching, and I do enjoy some of the music, too, or most of the music, but... He's so experimental, but uh, Jack Conti. I don't know the name. I have to look that up. But um, he he's like part of uh, sort of this YouTube uh, sensation band called Pomplamoose, But he produces and he does so many different uh, musical projects. It seems, um, but he he's made a couple of videos, and it's just like he has like these like you know they're just pads with like a bunch of white buttons on them and he has like pre-programmed beats in them so that he can play them in a live situation if he wants to. But right. There's like so much hardware probably behind that pad. Right. So yeah, the, the pads are becoming just glorified uh, controllers uh, that plug in via USB and all the smarts are in the computer now. Right. It's like the kids DJing with two iPods up there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That just makes me sound disgruntled, but I really, I really do miss music like that. I wish, like, I wish there'd be more of it. There, there will be again because music flows and like that it goes underground for a while, and something else is popular and gets all the attention, and all the new kids want to do it, and then it changes. And I really do think there's still a, um, there's that scene though. It'll get bigger again. There's so much. 
it's just it's just underground there's yeah or or like now is like the electronic dance music thing is that still going on i, don't, I haven't listened to the much poppy on the radio in a long time but man did i ever tune out after that but i want to see more i just want to see different stuff when it comes to music i just want to see something different that's my main concern my, my, my main gripe really is like just, just do something different <laughs> be creative yeah, um, it's kind of funny because um, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm. I would. I've been like across the spectrum with my ears listening to different things, and now that I'm an old man in my forties, <laughs> I uh, I actually for a while and it's still a little bit like to get me moving and working and stuff. Like I or working out too. I'll listen to like some dubstep and I'm like, how crazy am I that I'm like listening to dubstep at like 40? (laughs) But, (laughs) but to, like you said, it's like something different to me because I grew up with like, you know, the Beatles. And (laughs) so I've heard so much rock all my life. I'm like, this sounds different. Like, okay, I can kind of get behind some of this. Um, but then, like, the other day, it's been a long time since I listened to some dub, and I was, like, really unmotivated. So while I was working, I just put it on, like, uh, put the computer on a dubstep station. And then I was, like, after about two hours, it's like, okay, it's starting to sound the same. I mean, that must mean that I'm working right now, so I'm not paying attention, or it is sounding the same. <laughs> but, like, you, you know, variety is the spice of life. And so, like you said, it goes through cycles. I like um, the challenge of writing music for that fact because it it's a challenge to not make it sound the same over time. If you're going to constrain yourself with something like software, it's got parameters, it's got you know, it's got an in and it's got an out, and you're constrained by what's what you can tweak and what you cannot. Then you're set, essentially setting yourself up for a, a scenario that's not in your favor. If you look at it like through theoretical glasses, so you really have to have a game plan. And when you sit down, if you really want to get that song finished and to where you're happy with it, you really need to have a game plan to what what are you going to do? How is it not going to suck? How is it not going to be repetitive? Or I mean, you find the moments where it can be repetitive, but trying to integrate new ideas on top of it, or coming up with a baseline or a core group of ideas to build something off of and then trying to work in say a new melody or a different instrument. And the challenge of it to me reminds me of like, you know, video games when I was a kid, I'm not a gamer anymore. I had to stop at one point because I wanted to continue with the music and it's just too enveloping. But it reminds me of that, the challenge of like a big epic saga of trying to get through something. Um, or like a really hard crossword puzzle or a really hard Sudoku, something like that. That's really where it's at. Um, my, that's where my art comes from, like where it springs from. And, but for me, it's, it's a really a challenge because I do two things. I've got the guitar, which is one side of my brain, and the other side is all the music production. So I'm like always fighting that like analog digital, mm. um, that, that, that battle. Of like, oh, what's what's good enough for me? Right, like that is a that's a 
a big battle because um, there's merits to both sides. It's um, one of the future guests I hope to have on the show is um, a local here in town that I uh, have some married uh, into sort of a relationship. He's like a cousin, I believe. Um, but he is uh, a rapper <laughs> and uh, here in Edmonton. And he um, he calls his last album, he calls it Art Hop. And I would call it more like a fusion of jazz and rap. And so it's a lot of horns and a lot of, you know, jazz sounds um, that he raps over. And it's sure it's been done by various artists before. But again, it's it's uh, it's like a creative expression because like the music is sort of going one way and his lyrics are going um, in a similar direction, but not totally the same. And um so it, it's just like something different but i can see that sort of battle there it's like you're doing a lot of like digital production um maybe working up some beats for some songs but then he's doing like just totally like all analog instruments for other songs so it's probably he is probably also struggling with that balance i think it's like a it's like a hemisphere thing in the brain with audio, the way it it works. You you hear one sound and the brain goes, well, it doesn't it doesn't think it just does it just reacts this way and listens to it with this part of the brain, and then you hear something different like an analog instrument, and it reacts in a different type of way. And so it's like the color palette idea of I'm going to sit down and use all my tools that I have to my advantage. And it's like escapism, really, I think. But, I mean, I, and I, it's one of those things where, like, if I escape into video games or, I don't know, if, it, if it's anything to do with video, if I'm watching a screen, I I put up, like, a barrier. I don't go so far down there. I'm like, nah, I can't really do that because it's too visual. But with the audio, it's really, it provides that, like, extra level of uh, surrealism or, like, escape kind of fantasy. So I can definitely see, like now down on my path, why artists tend to be like isolating and moody and <laughs> always doing that thing because you gotta love it to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always like, the, I just gotta stop with it because I need to like settle down and do all that. But not gonna happen. Yeah, I um I was actually wanting to uh learn something to like make beats with and put together like a little intro for the shows and um I don't know, I just got I've always had like a fascination with uh music production, but um I've never actually played like any instruments and I don't seem to have any sort of <laughs> musical uh talent as it were. Um, but it's still always been something that interests me. And like for video projects, I used to like put together like loops and like, uh, you know, soundtrack pro or something like that. And, and I enjoyed it, but it's, um, it's one of those. You'd enjoy like, you'd enjoy like, um, scoring movies, I bet. Yeah. I think 
Yeah, definitely. I had a class at Grand Valley with uh, the sound design class with uh, Joe McCarger, and um, that that was kind of that was really fun to just sort of like try to capture the mood uh, of something. Um, and I thought I would enjoy something like that. And then um, <laughs> what's what's more fun is then when you move on and you work. Uh, in video for a living and you deal with uh, clients, which are all great, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it's like, then you have like five different people who say that's not the right music, but they all have five different choices of what they think the right music is. <laughs> and so, right. yep. so it's like, no, no, I don't know that this piece works. No, I want this piece. And it's like, okay, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, so yeah, like, Oh, you know, scoring something would be really cool until like you have an audience that has a voice in what should be scored and what shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the line between production and editorial. Am yeah. I am I deciding on digital information or is it more feeling based? <laughs> I'm I'm just a technocrat. Or am I the artist? Yeah, that's I think um, for me personally, that's part of my problem is I feel like maybe I have more of a fascination with the technology aspect than the actual music production. And then, of course, there's always the the uh, insecurity too. like, OK, I made this, but I used like a bunch of loops that anybody could have used. So did I really, you know, make anything? And <laughs> then my ego is like, oh, why did you do this? Don't show anyone. <laughs> I'm just gonna open a random SoundCloud account and post things, but it's not me. Yeah, I, I wish I could just delve into like, you know, the Dreamweaver and Flash and and just shift my focus onto like more animation and After Effects and video and just get done with the. Uh, the drug that is audio, I feel like it's holding me back. There's, there's just so many more opportunities. I should just focus my attention on on that. Not to just switch subjects again, but you know, I was talking to my dad the other day, and he was like, "I was talking about, he's like, why don't you go back and get some more Adobe stuff skills?" I'm like, if I wanted to go operate a an interface all day, you know, I guess. I thought that would be a little bit more lucrative, I guess. So it's really boring to me now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you get that feeling sometimes. I was like, you know, like I was saying earlier, you get, people want to know you got to operate Avid, Final Cut, all Adobe, you know, Apple, Google's and analytics and it's everything now. Like, I don't even want to learn anything. You know? Like where do, where do I start? Where do I restart? Or, you know, what can I pick up? And, well, um, yeah, sometimes when I uh, look at those job postings and they list all that stuff, I'm like, and let me guess, you want to pay like twenty grand a you know a year? Like, like oh, you, yeah. you just want the person to know all this stuff, or you're just sort of like this job description is like your legal disclaimer because you don't want <laughs> someone to come to work and then say, nope, that that wasn't in my job description to know how to use you know 
Microsoft databases. <laughs> sure, sure. And I, and I do think a lot of times, especially at larger companies, these job descriptions, they get written by people who are in HR and not the people who are really doing the hiring. Like the people, the person that you might have an interview with is going to be like, hey, don't worry, we're a Final Cut Pro shop. We use Final Cut Pro. You might need to know a little bit of logic because sometimes we do some sound mastering. And that's basically the brunt of your work. But the but the actual HR position is going to say, you know, that you must have five years of experience in Adobe Creative Cloud, which is ridiculous because Adobe Creative Cloud hasn't existed for five entire years yet. <laughs> so, oh, someone just told me that, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, be proficient in falconing. <laughs> <laughs> Metal <Yes>. working. <laughs> right, right, right. What kind of job is this? <laughs> Sometimes we have to smith our own tripod. So <laughs> we we have to we have to grind our own lenses down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From sand. <laughs>